0: how to take better photos we are all using the magic of digital media and photos in school pr let's get those photos better we got some quick tips for you with the man of the myth the legend coming up on the school pr podcast public education, sharing our stories and celebrating our schools, students, teachers and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast. Brought to you by Nichols Strategies. And now, here's your host, Ryan Ferran. And a special guest on the School PR podcast, Matthew Jennings. MJ, what's up, my brother? Hey, how's it going, Ryan? Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you stopping by. This is actually your second appearance on the School PR podcast.
1: So lucky. I'm just blessed. (laughs) Thank you.
0: The uh, first appearance, if you uh, recall, was episode 38 when we had you, Christine, and Nicole on talking about school district recap videos, which was super cool. Some
1: real champions, and that, that was a fun podcast to do. I recall it very, very well. We were sitting um, above the lobby at one of our conference hotels. Um, we had occupied a bench there in the walkway. We, we even had to pause a couple of times as people walked by wondering
0: what on earth we were doing. Yeah, we were in the, in the hallway, sitting on the floor in the middle of this hotel, and uh, I remember somebody came up and started talking to us at yeah. one point, point, we're like...
1: "Man, uh, yeah, I think they
0: asked where their parking garage was or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was actually one of our most popular episodes, episode 38, how to make those cool, uh, basically sixty-second school district recap, uh, this week in the news kind of videos uh, with you, Christine Peck, Nicole Prashardo, myself. That was a that was a good one. So yeah, you wanna I want to catch didn't... up about today exactly yeah super cool uh we have a oh i'm going to ask you about one of my recent episodes too in a second but we have one on chat gpt which is taking over the education we just our most recent one is with david luther who created the greatest facebook group for school pr pros there is we were talking about vendors which you are now on uh and i did i have a lot on videos and things like that but uh I haven't done one on photos and episode 69 was my Apple watch review and why yeah. they are the biggest waste of money ever. <laughs> Would yeah, you like I to think, counter
1: that? I think they can be. No, I, I don't have too much to counter there other other than it depends on what you're using it for. If you're a casual user and you're just going to let it ding your wrist all day long with your text messages and emails that you get, you, you, you're going to go crazy for sure. But Um, for me, I'm very active lifestyle. We do a lot of camping. We do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of, you know, we work out. We're very busy and active during the week and on the weekends. And I love that. Uh, well, even basic things like drinking water, my, my watch reminds me like, Hey, it's time to take a drink. Uh, it's time to stand up. Uh, it's time to move around. Uh, I love closing the rings. You know, it's kind of a competitive thing with myself, but trying to do better than I did yesterday. And some of the stats that it gives you, it, it motivates me to be more active and engaged with my activities. So
0: on that on that plane, I, I really do enjoy it. Why is your Apple watch telling you to drink water and mine is not telling me to drink water? I don't have that feature, <laughs> what the heck?
1: I know, right? I think it was an app I downloaded a while back because I know I'm very bad at drinking water. I will I will just turn back to the coffee pot. If I need something to drink, I'll go get another cup of coffee. Um, I don't do any soda or anything like that, but I just don't drink water. And so what I chose to do was um, tell my watch to remind me, and it does. And then it pops up, and you can say, hey, I had a cup, or I had a, a, you know, 18 ounces or 8 ounces or something like that. It makes it really easy to track it. So it just says, hey, you need to take a drink. You click, yep, I had a drink. Thank you very much. And it kind of fills your bucket. And then uh, throughout the day, hopefully by the end of the day, you've filled your bucket and you've had enough water.
0: So do you have the breathing app too? Is that going to tell you when to inhale and exhale? Is that next? There is a breathing
1: app. You might be joking about that, but there is a breathing app. But it is mindfulness, and it's based around box breathing. And if you're not familiar with that technique, it is a really great way to kind of center your, your body and your nervous system and bring things back down. That's that technique where you inhale for four seconds, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, and then repeat that process a couple of times. Does help kind of reset your nervous center. I know you're joking, but the watch uh, does do that as well. If you're not familiar with it, it tells you exactly when to take breaths and it tracks all of that. Kind of neat.
0: Yeah, no, I'm all for the deep breathing. There's actual <clears throat> science to. Uh, deep breathing, and um, it really brings in more oxygen. It calms you, calms the nerves. I remember I was talking to somebody recently, 20 years ago, yoga, deep breathing, meditation was crazy just for weirdos and people that lived out in the woods. And now every top CEO and anyone that's, you know, had a mental breakdown, and that's pretty much 98% of the people in the pandemic are like, okay, how do I get my mental health better? And deep breathing. I remember you and I talked about this a while ago. Is you know, marine. You said you were telling me about the Marine Corps using it in trainings mm-hmm. and things like that. It it works. You can do it in the car, sitting in traffic. I had a wellness counselor on uh, with my interns at a meeting in the pandemic. She took us through deep breathing and. It works. I'm a big fan of deep breathing. But my point yeah. with the Apple Watch is it's a lot of marketing psychology. You talked about closing out the rings. I get it. It does help people with fitness. My thing is it – and I, everyone I, most people I talked to said they loved it, and that's why I, I buckled and got it. But if you just like the fitness aspect, get a Fitbit or something like that for way cheaper, and don't worry about – missing out on the Apple Watch, but most people like it. I'm just, I got mine. I'm I'm wearing it today because I just feel obligated because I spent so much stupid money on it. (laughs) But
1: yeah, that's true. It's like, it's like anything else that tech, you know, and the the other side of that too, is I, I liken it to a little bit like guitars. I'm also a guitar instructor and I've taught for many years and parents always ask me, well, what kind of guitar should I get my kid? And you need to take your kiddo to the store and let them pick the guitar. And the reasoning behind that is they will be more engaged with the instrument. They'll be more likely to pick it up. They'll be more likely to learn it, to play with it, to interact with it. And the tech that we use in our lives is the same way. You know, your cell phone, if you're more drawn to the shiny Apple devices, like an iWatch, right? Um, And you're not turned on to something like a Fitbit. Maybe that just doesn't have the same kind of appeal to you. You might not be as likely to engage with the tech and use it for your intended purpose too. So I kind of liken it to that. Not trying to justify my purchase because it is really primarily just a really silly, beautiful, expensive notification piece on your wrist, but um, yeah. it does have some of the benefits.
0: Yeah, I guess that's my basic point. If you want some of those things, you can get something way cheaper. Some people like the trendiness of the iWatch and not sure. not being left out. They want to be one of the cool kids and uh, don't have film <laughs> over Apple are. Watch. Yeah, here we are. Hey, I want to talk to you about uh, photos though. You're uh, actually, before we get into that, uh, you're now with Peach Jar, Community Partner Manager. You mm-hmm. left School PR, man. What the heck? And uh, yeah, how's, Peach, no. how's Peach Jar going? It's
1: absolutely amazing. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say, and this is going to sound like I'm like a corporate shill now, but I will have <laughs> to say that. Uh, Coming over to Peach Jar, I think the most exciting thing for me to learn was it really truly is an educational technology company that's centered on the mission of improving communities, improving students' lives, and building those connections. Um, It's much like when you sit on a really good executive cabinet at a school district and all decisions are based around what's best for the student. It's always just feels so good when your board and your district leadership team are, are literally making decisions around what's best for our community. That's exactly what I found here at Peach Jar. So have to say really excited about that <clears throat> because that's truly their mission. Um, did, yeah, I what, almost 18 years in public ed. It was a really hard decision to leave, but I had the opportunity to do some pretty cool things, which we'll talk a little bit about today over here at Peach Jar and really elevate my, um, marketing experience and and dig into that kind of piece of what we all do in as community or or communications professionals Um, really dive into like developing my marketing skills and social media skills and honing that um, through photos and videos and storytelling Um, yeah it's it it was a tough call to to leave public ed Um, got to serve in three large school districts out in southern california and um, it was it's just it's amazing I, i miss the teams and i miss the kids for sure
0: yeah, David and I, on our last episode, Episode 70, had a good conversation. We were talking about the vendor and school PR dynamic. And, you know, I was mentioning at first, when I go to conferences, I avoided the vendor hogs. I'm like, oh, man, these sales guys. And then I got more involved with CalSpro, thanks to your encouragement, and um, realized how important the vendors are uh, to school PR and supporting conferences. I mean, frankly, especially at the beginning of Calspra, as you well know, Matt, we wouldn't have conferences if it wasn't for vendors because we couldn't afford it. We had no money in the bank and we, we couldn't do it. So I totally changed my tune. And David and I were mentioning like some of our best friends are in, uh, you know, school PR companies and now considered vendors like yourself. Um, so, and for people listening that don't know us, we will joke around because we've known each other for years and we are good friends. So I'm not just harassing a, a guest, uh, you'll get, you'll get a little bit different treatment, but it is, yeah. uh, it is fascinating that dynamic. And we're talking about, you know, for his page, you know, that you're in, you've been in for years too, um, the school pros discussion page, mm-hmm. there is that dynamic. And, and we, as on the CalSPR board and other Sprus throughout the country, go back and forth on vendor involvement. And has mm-hmm. gone through this of like, what can their membership be? What can they say on the listserv? And, you know, Dave and I were talking about what can they say in the group? You don't want it to be a sales pitch, but they also get good information that'll help their product, which will ultimately help you. So it's the age old debate about that. All the SPRAs have gone through. Um, but, you know, I've definitely changed my tune and the importance of, Vendors and good companies that really want relationships and a partnership so and uh, I've used Peach Jar actually for years in this district and uh, that's a company that, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're on on here, mm-hmm. but I great relationships with the people at Peach Jar known to boss them for years even um, all those folks. And so I, I think you're a good fit for them. And it's it's one of those companies that knows how to do it right. They don't hard sell at all. Um, and it's a really good product. So um, good to have you on. And I'm glad uh, you're doing so well with Peach Jar. And uh, that, why I wanted to have you on is I saw your series you're doing with Peach Jar. You're doing a lot of content for them was about photos. And we haven't done anything on photos on this school PR podcast, we have a lot on videos crisis, and the like, but um, your tips are just fantastic, because we're all taking um, photos in school PR. That's just part of the job. And it's a great part. I love it. I've become an amateur photographer, not great. (laughs) But I've had to study myself, like, how do I get better if I just have an iPhone or I I got a DSLR for the first time? We have a little bit of budget, but what the heck am I doing? So I've researched over the years like you have, but you have this great series on how to take better photos with some simple tricks that I want to talk to you about because I I find them so valuable. Um, I guess let's start with some of the basic tips that you've been sharing uh, through the Peach Jar channels about getting better photos with whatever you're working with.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. We are getting thousands and thousands of views. It's really cool, and I've, I've got people reaching out to me asking questions, which is fun. Um, you can check it out on any of PHR's social media. We're, we're putting it out there: YouTube Shorts, you know, Facebook. We got we got the Reels, Instagram, TikTok, all of that. So you can find us in whatever space that you're most comfortable with, as far as what social media platform you want to go on. But um, we're going to be doing a whole series on videos. Oh, see, my watch is telling me to stand up right now, and I'm at a standing desk. Like I'm standing, so
0: that's you know, how dumb the iWatch is. You're standing, and it's telling you to stand. Save your money, people. Save it. Save your money. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're we're doing a, a whole series. Uh,
1: basically, when I joined Pete Sharp, um, I I was told, "Look, just figure out how to elevate the profession of school communications and PR. Go out there, find people doing great work, highlight their work, put them out there on YouTube." Uh, find best practices and tips, put them out there on, on, on social for everybody to access them. And that's what I'm working on right now. And then better photos and videos is just a passion of mine. Uh, working as in, in the comms office at three districts, I was usually not usually, I was the primary photographer and videographer for all three of those districts in California. And so I've got what, almost two decades of experience in photo and videos, really fun stuff. And it's a huge medium. So we've all heard like a picture's worth a thousand words, like we can talk about photos here, but videos are even better than that. So, you know, you take a graphic post on social media, like you've got an upcoming bake sale or something for your district, that's going to do well. You, you know, uh, put a video behind that from last year's bake sale and, and your, your numbers are quadrupled. So your engagement is much deeper. So photos and videos are a big piece of that. And I started this series because I know so many of us at the district's are use in photos on our websites, our, our marketing materials, our branding, you know, brochures that we're creating out at the district level. And I just wanted to bring some skills that I've learned over the years. We've covered a few things like um, getting down in your subject's level. That's a huge one at the district. Uh, as, as a district PIO or a principal, that's a huge one for principals or administrators. There's so many times I'll see like a soup or a or, or principal walk into a room Fall in love with whatever's going on and they're taking photos and all of them are from the superintendent or like administrator's eye level, the adult perspective. And the photo just loses all of its visual appeal because you're not down on the level of your subject. So when it comes to kiddos, you want to really try to get down on their level. Eye level is best. Um, if they're doing something cool with their hands, like they're building marshmallow catapults, get down there at that catapult level. That might be on the floor. You might have to get down and, and get your phone right there on the floor to get some really cool f- photos or videos. So, that's a big one:
0: getting down to your subject's level. Let me I let also, me hop in real quick yeah. on there because that that's one of the best tips I picked up from your series so far that I I've, I've never thought about, to be honest, which is a little embarrassing. But man, when I saw your examples and you had your two adorable kids in there, it makes such a difference looking at a photo from the aerial, because you're right. It's we're most, you know, people taking the photos are going to be five feet to six feet tall, even taller. And you're always, you know, you're in elementary school, you're going three feet down, you're further back. So that angle is huge but when I saw the examples of yours getting down to the kid's eye level, it makes the picture, I don't know what it is exactly the science behind it, but it makes it, yeah. And the, the, uh, it makes it so much more dynamic and like you're in there instead of like being the outside observer above you're in there now. And the composition is just, that was a fantastic tip that, Oh, I am going to
1: steal for sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're bringing stuff like that. We've, we've got more. We're talking about, uh, uh, I think it's next week, I uh, have a video coming out on rule of thirds. It's going to be a two-part series. So we're going to be talking about the rule of thirds and, and how you your phone, if you're not already using it, gives you a, a set of grid lines that help establish better composition on your images. And so the first part of that series is going to be how do you access that. And then the second part of that, the following week will be, okay, now what is the rule of thirds? How do you use it to get better composition? Like you were just saying, part of that is getting down to your subject's level. And part of it is just the composition of the photo overall. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about lighting through the series. We talk about avoiding digital zoom when you can. And I try to be really clear, like not all of these are hard and fast rules. So you don't always have to avoid digital zoom, but where you can, you want to zoom with your feet. And that does a couple of things for you. It will probably result in a better composition, and it might result in a sharper image because you're not relying on digital zoom. You're zooming with your feet, and physically getting closer to your subject. Um, so we're just going to be kind of going through the series. And when I've burned through all the tips on photos, we're going to start a whole second series on videos. And then we're going to be talking about how to get better videos. Ryan, I'll I'll tell you that. Um, I think I was with you, it was a number of years ago, I don't remember where we were, I don't remember what conference session we were sitting in, but one of the, one of the videos that we, we just rolled out had a couple of trips tips on getting sharper images. And there's one that I remember you and I being in this room, I can't place the room, but whoever it was was talking about, the first thing you need to do when you take a photo is clean the lens. And I just remember like the both of us like looking at each other like, oh man, totally didn't think about that. That is so seriously easy. And it was, it was years ago, but you know, things like that. So there's just a lot of trips, tips we're trying to bring forward that um, could be even simple things like you put your phone in your pocket, your fingerprints are all over it. There's dust, there's kind of, you know, it could be in your backpack or your purse. Step one is clean the lens. <laughs> just give it yeah. a quick wipe and shirt.
0: And I, I don't, I don't even remember that, but I, I tell people that my interns, sessions, principals, yeah. whoever's taking photos, And I I like, just kind of like you did, like, I apologize for telling you this.
1: Yeah, It
0: sounds so basic and remedial, but it is so important. Wipe the lens. As you said, we have oil on our hands, stuff in our pockets, our purses. Mm -hmm. Um, One way you can tell. So if you take a photo at night and there's lights, say you're at a stadium or inside, if you see a streak of light come down, that means your lens is dirty. Yeah. wipe the lens cuz sometimes you get streaks You're like why do i why do i have a streak or why is this one a little blurry i mean the the lenses on our phones are why we pay so much darn money those things are indestructible they're amazing they just need to be wiped and clean before you use yeah. them
1: yeah and and you mentioned earlier DSLR like you just said you just said something really important and probably many people have heard that the best camera is the one in your hand and there is some truth to that Uh, You can have a really bad camera, like my kids have a toy camera that I've tried to take pictures with, and it's not the best camera in my hand at that time. Uh, But the bottom line is, your phone is insanely incredible, and if you have even a somewhat newer device within the last couple of years, um, and and unfortunately, the cell phone makers all forced us to upgrade, so probably most of us have have pretty recent devices, Uh, your phone is incredibly capable of taking magazine-quality photographs, even billboard quality photographs um, that you can use in every facet of your organization, be it that website or marketing materials, really high quality print or marketing materials. I use a lot of my photos and stuff in Canva and I know we're probably all doing a lot of, you know, Canva, um, graphics and social media posts. Um, uh, your phone is more than capable of handling what you would need for Canva. Speaking of Canva, very fast left turn. If you are using Canva or you're not, you haven't yet stepped into Canva myself, And Rob Mazaros from the Kern County Superintendent's Office of Education just recorded a Canva training front to back, start to finish on the tools in Canva. Um, That's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, too, as part of this series um, that we're talking about right now. So uh, your phone is incredible. We can talk about DSLRs, too. And I've thought about let me know what you think, Ryan. I've thought about doing a whole nother series as well on, hey, maybe you have a DSLR. What are some of those? functions because i find people are always surprised that i shoot full manual i don't use any of the auto stuff and like what are all those buttons and everything mean and uh maybe we maybe we need to bring that into a series
0: all right i have a lot to follow up on a a video with you and rob i love rob that's amazing i can't wait for that uh he's the man um so i agree the phone is amazing but i will say if you have the option to get a dslr because i was and this was years ago so phones are getting much better they're getting close to dslr but they're not there yet they're i was like oh.
1: yeah
0: i i told um, you know my my people went hear. i didn't want to i didn't want any but i wanted to be so low impact you know yeah non uh you know just go with the flow i said i'll just use my phone for photos and stuff and they kind of looked at me crazy but if you have a chance to get a dslr the prices on those have come down the quality is much better Photos yeah, yeah. look good, especially on your phone. You hit them. They look amazing. But if you do blow it up to magazine, if you do blow it up to billboard, you're going to want a DSLR, which has way higher megapixels. And it mm-hmm. is better. Um, but I do love, so I'm pretty much it's still in auto mode on the DSLR. And that's what's so great about them because they are intimidating. So if you have the budget for DSLR, get them. Start using an auto But a series on manual and really how to get the most out of your DSLR would be amazing.
1: Oh, dude, that would be awesome. One of the first things I do when I'm teaching people about how to use a DSLR is I, I take them to a setting where I have somebody standing in front of a window. It's a really easy scene to set up. I put somebody in front of a brightly lit window, tell them to turn it on A and go ahead and take that picture. And then I'll take the camera from them, adjust a couple of settings in manual where I have control of the shutter speed, I have control of the ISO, I have control of the f-stop. We could talk about all those things in a series, right? And then we take the same photo and then it's really perfectly exposed. And it's because DSLRs, as great as they are, in that auto mode, it's just trying to guess through an algorithm stuck in a little tiny box inside the camera, what kind of photo you're taking and how to do it best. And the true beauty of a DSLR is when you can take control over the scene, the lighting, your f-stop, your ISO, you can then start getting really creative photos that pop, that are gorgeous. I have photos at district offices that, are, that hang on the walls, that have been published, that, that are all over the place because, and they're all shot with DSLR. Um, and, and it's because I was able to take control of the scene through the controls in the camera. And that's where the DSLR really excels. That yeah. and then the file size, like you mentioned, and, and I do shoot raw. I got that question the other day on social. Mm-hmm. Like, do you shoot raw. And do shoot raw when I'm using DSLR because um, then you have even more control over that, that file, which is cool. So, yeah. yeah. We got to so get to of auto.
0: Yeah, I know. And it, it's like I I've learned a little bit through shooting. A lot, I was shooting a lot of sports. I'm like, why are my pictures blurry? So I would do some yeah. YouTube and, you know, figure out how to, you know, fix the ISO and all that sort of stuff, the shutter speed. Um, but it is – so I mean, my recommendation is if you can get a DSLR, get one immediately, it's going to be better than your phone, your phone is amazing. And there's better ways. And that's, I think so helpful with your series, if you have a phone or even DSLR, here's some tips and tricks. Um, but the DSLR is super powerful. And you can get it being in total novice and start using it in, in auto, then slowly kind of learn a little bit more. Uh, with yeah. Me. And,
1: you know, I want to say something too, Ryan, you mentioned uh, just a minute ago is that you were kind of trying to be low key on the budget and not have as big of an impact. And so you kind of hesitated getting a DSLR. And if anybody's listening, and that is the reason you haven't done it. Stop that nonsense right now. Step out of that mindset. You're worth it. Your department's worth it. Your district, your school your marketing, your recruitment retention, your staffing. I mean, all these things make that expense well worth it. Like Ryan said, you can step in pretty easy. You just keep it on that green A until you want to start branching into some other things or watch the series we might come up with. Exactly.
0: And you can actually get a really good camera kit now, like we're Nikon's and our our Mm -hmm. interns, we try to get them some cameras when we can. Uh, But you can get a really good body and two lenses for about a 1000 bucks, which is really good for the quality you're getting. And they're going to last you for years and years. They have Wi Fi compatibility, so you can take the picture out in the field, download it right to your phone, post Mm -hmm. it right to social, and it's just going to be a way better picture than you're just your phone alone. Um, So So I I agree with you, Matthew, if if you've been thinking about it, you're not sure, A, they're not that expensive, B, it's really going to help your skill set as a PR Mm -hmm. practitioner and as a photographer, because by default, we're all the district photographers, videographers, right? right? So get get good at it as you can i want to go back to one thing you were talking about too and just talk a little bit about the rule of thirds too i think that's kind of important and i know that's coming out in your uh series but what should people keep in mind with the rule of thirds well it, it is a technique that can be used
1: for composition and it will really help elevate your shots and how people engage with and view them so the rule of thirds is essentially like trying to center your subject in like a particular third of your frame, not dead center. And I covered this in one of my videos that I put online. You, you can go check it out. Um, it was called angles and just taking different angles of photos. And. Um, I took an example shot of my subject, unfortunately myself in that one because I didn't have anybody with me, but I took a, I took a shot of myself in front of a really beautiful mural in Newport Beach and I just, I just did it as though I was a tourist and I, I just took the shot straight on. I'm dead center in the screen and the mural's behind me and great. That's, that's the same shot we've all seen a thousand times. And the rule of thirds is you can use angles to get better composition, and I used a different angle in that and the rule of thirds, and I didn't talk about the rule of thirds in that video, I just introducing the concept of different angles. Um, I used the rule of thirds there, and I was able to take a shot of my subject and still get the mural in there, but a way more dramatic scene. And it, it, you, you can just go in there and see the comparison between the two. Um, the second shot using the, the more correct angle is a lot more engaging and appealing. And, and it's like you said earlier, like, I can't pinpoint it. Like, I don't know why I like the shots of kids at their eye level, but there's something about it
0: that just reaches out to me more. It's exactly what it is. Another tip that you gave in your series, which I really like, and I, I preach a lot too, is is kind of your own tripod and not making that seasick, whether you're taking videos or even photos, they need to be yeah. still. And so if you're out in the field and you just have your phone, which is fine, or even your DSLR, but you don't have a tripod, you're out shooting. You gave some good tips on like how to stabilize your camera better, which will ultimately lead to cleaner, clearer pictures.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I, one of the big things is, you know, I treat, treat my phone just like a DSLR. So, you know, they're heavier. So in some ways, the DSLR, you're kind of forced into holding it closer to your body. Uh, but I treat my phone the same way. You know, you don't want to get it too far away out. I, I do see a lot of times, especially if you're just walking out in public, uh, especially in areas where there tends to be more tourists. And, and I'm in Orange County, California, where we have a lot of that, right, by Disneyland and, you know, California Adventure and the beach and all that. So I see this a lot. But if you're listening to this and, you know, you're in an area where you could, you, you run into people taking photos of other people, like this happens in Las Vegas a lot. My, my buddy and I, he lives out there. When we're walking in Las Vegas and people are taking pictures, it's like a game for us to get in their photos and like photobomb yeah. in the background. But you'll see a lot of times you'll somebody will hand their phone to somebody to take a picture of them and they'll hold it out and away from their body about three or four feet or not three, four feet, but (laughs) arms length is what I mean. So they're at arms length and they're holding that, you know, way out there. And that's hard to hold steady and still. And then you're fully relying on the shutter speed, the lighting, all the other things that you have control over on a DSLR that you don't on a phone, you're totally relying on the phone to compensate for your unsteady holding of the device. And maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. You might find their shots that are blurry later and they were blurry just because you had some, you were just moving to your heartbeat. You know, your heartbeat yeah. pulse could, could, could uh, mess up your shot. So big tips there are, are bring your, I call them your wings, but your elbows, like bring your wings into your body just like you would with a DSLR. Try to hold the phone really steady. I try to really kind of hold it with a, with a full hand and, and then I have one hand for the shutter and you really want to steady the phone in your hands, cradle it really well, whether that's horizontal and vertical and then keep those wings tucked in and don't overextend your arms, and you'll be you'll be in a lot better shape.
0: Yeah, it's just great advice. Your 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 body's your tripod. Make sure there's no movement. Everything's kind of touching your body against your elbows into your chest, and that that'll drastically reduce movement. If, for people that want to like see the difference, like you said, hold out your arms full stretch and take a video, and yeah. just of, of a still object and take it for yeah. ten seconds, and then watch that video, and then do the same exact thing and then do it, hold it, your elbows into your chest, and then take it. You'll see what a huge difference is. And when people don't realize, when you watch it back on your phone, the screen is three inches. But if you're Mm -hmm. gonna put that on YouTube on a desktop, cast it to a 70 inch TV, those little shakes become big shakes and they get exaggerated because of the bigger screen. So the tripod, human tripod tip, I think is a good one. It's funny you talked about tourists and taking people's pictures you probably get this too when i get asked to take a photo i'm always happy to do it because i know i'm going to take a a better photo of people but the first thing i do is i grab somebody's phone and i wipe their lens and they look at me what the why are you cleaning my phone you weirdo and i'm like trust me this is this is the first thing you should do but they give you that look like "What is this dude wiping my phone down for and it's this is this little two second thing before I take this photo is gonna make it one of the best photos in your camera roll of 4,000 photos.
1: Right, it's so true. And you might've you might have gotten this too. It's really funny. When I take a photo, I don't do what they expect, which is step back and take a photo straight on. Like I'll find that better dramatic angle and then I always get asked, are you a photographer? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, I am. So, um, you know, really funny side story. When I filmed the video on taking photos from different angles that we were, I was just talking about where I demonstrated the rule of thirds, and, and in that photo, it is the, the, the mantra in that video is if something's worth a picture, take multiple pictures from different angles. Don't just walk into a room and see a kid doing a marshmallow catapult, take one shot. Get in there, move around, take several different photos because what's going to come out of that is you'll find out of five or six photos, you fall in love with one and you delete the rest. That's okay. That's the beautiful value of digital photography. We don't have to worry about film roll. You could just click away. Don't forget to go back and delete the ones you don't want, though, because they will fill up your phone. I'm guilty of that. I I don't go back and delete enough. Um, But what I wanted to say really quickly was when I was filming that video of different angles in front of that mural, a bus of tourists actually dropped off about 30 people just – Five feet from me. And they saw me (laughs) making this video. And then everybody thought it was like this famous mural. And so all the tourists came over and they started taking pictures of me in front of the mural. And then they started asking (laughs) me for pictures of them in front of the mural. And so I'm doing this right. And this one lady goes, no, 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 don't, don't take the picture from there. Because I took a really cool photo of her and I guarantee it's the best photo she has in her camera roll. She goes, no, she made me stand straight back about 10 feet away to get her whole body in the shot, and she wanted it dead straight on. Wow. I was like, "Dude, this is the most boring photo I just took today." So I'm, you know, trying to help you, but I was literally filming a video on what not to do, and then somebody asked me to do exactly that. So
0: that's so much funny. Yeah, that's that's uh... the the worst though is when you the waiter, hey, can you take a photo of our table? And you get the cam- phone back, and there's twelve photos. You're Like ah, oh, now I gotta go through twelve photos that you just took. Take three, not twelve. Come on, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's it's really cool. Um,
1: the 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 power of the cameras is great. Um, I also love that I, I am I'm using an Apple phone. And I do that because I've been using an Apple phone for a very, very long time. But one of the reasons I chose an Apple laptop to edit and do some of the other things on is the ease of airdrop. And just kind of take a step back real quick, cause you talked about how easy uh, DSLRs have gotten now where you can transfer files right there in the moment. You take a picture, it connects either wifi or Bluetooth to your phone, spits it over and you can edit it really quickly on your device and then upload it to social. Um, Figure out how and what system works for you as far as transferring photos goes. Um, And then kind of build some ideas and tips around that as well because I I use Apple devices just for the
0: ease of of transferring files through AirDrop. Because you like your rings closed on Apple devices. I do, I like my rings closed (laughs) on
1: Apple Watch. (laughs) Hey,
0: I want to go back to one thing you said briefly. You mentioned it in the beginning, but I think it's such a good tip talking about a great way to easily improve the quality of your photos is zooming with your feet Mm -hmm. Um, just because our phones do have great zoom features and functions now does not mean we should be zooming in because the further you zoom in i feel like the pixelation increases Mm -hmm. just talk about that what you mean by zooming with your feet
1: yeah and you're right digital zoom has gotten pretty good on modern devices but there's a couple of things that work against you. You're right. As you start zooming in, you will start getting more pixelated images. If you really want an example of that, just step outside and find a subject across the street or something and pinch to zoom in and you'll see how that starts to get really blurry. And then you'll also see that shake come into play because the more you zoom in, the more you'll be able to notice on the screen, any little subtle movement that your hands are making. And that could result in a more blurry shot. So there's a couple of things working against you as far as the quality quality of the photo goes when you're relying on digital zoom and that is you might get pixelation you could have a reduced quality in the shot it might not be very uh, like appealing composition wise and that's the next big thing so when you zoom with your feet you're forced more or less into figuring out what angle you're going to take the photo at so when you zoom with your feet you, you're getting closer to your subject and you might realize, oh, I need to move to the left a little bit, or maybe I have to get down, or maybe I have to find something to elevate myself to get above the scene. So when you zoom with your feet, you're forced to really kind of justify the composition of your photo. And so that may result in a better image. So a couple of things that work for you when you zoom with your feet is that better composition and probably a higher quality image.
0: For sure. I'd love that tip. Um, as we wrap up with Matthew Jennings, um, you mentioned kind of your software, you're an Apple guy. Is there any photo apps or things that you use that you would recommend that are kind of easy to use? Um, there's a few good ones that I like, but I'm just curious kind of what you use as far as apps for photos. Yeah, that's a good question. And you
1: know, right now I'm doing a ton of video work and maybe it's a whole different podcast on, on videos. Um, but as far as editing software for my photos. Um, I, I do a lot of editing actually in my phone itself, which is really cool. So I will say that it's unlikely you're going to take a picture and it's just going to be perfect without any editing. So if you are taking photos and you're going to put them out on social media or you're going to put them out on your website or you are going to use them in marketing materials or something, don't skip that crucial step. Go in, just look at what tweaks you can make. Your phone has a lot of really great stuff in there. And if you want to do like we were talking about earlier and just use automatic, your phone probably has some mode in there where you can just hit enhance and it just automatically tries to figure out what you want to do with it. But go in there and look at lighting, saturation, your contrast, your color contrast. You can do a lot of that inside your device itself. Um, I do a lot in Lightroom. So if I'm going to sit down and actually edit some photos uh, that I'm going to use in magazines or brochures, I'll probably use Lightroom for that. And then video editing software, and I know we're talking about photos here, but um, CapCut's kind of taken people um, not by by surprise, but there's a great editing software out there called CapCut, so if you are making videos and you just want a really quick tip on what editing software you can use there, take a look at CapCut. You can download that on your cell phone, you can download that on your computer, Uh, there's a free version of that and it's a really powerful editing software for videos even goes in and puts captions back in and all of that for you, which is cool. So, um, those are the, those are the main editing programs I'm using right now is Lightroom, my device itself or
0: CapCut for videos. Yeah. The kind of the feature you talked about, I I really agree with that too, because your phone will now, because they're so advanced, will do a lot of editing of your photo itself. And if you're new to that, you don't know what any of that means. You said there's an auto button. It's basically the magic wand button. You just hit that. That will auto enhance it. So I I highly recommend people do that. And then, like you said, just play around with one photo. Go to the different settings. You're not going to ruin it. You can always... Discard all the changes, but see what all those different filters—the saturation, the temperature, and all that—see what that does, mm-hmm. um, and take 10 minutes to really go through them and experiment and see what it does to the photo. Different filters, um, so so that's a good way to do it. I like your suggestion. I'm going to check out CapCut because I, for years, was an iMovie guy on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. I too like the iPhone, um, but that thing—it's gone to. It just it's going backwards as far as like the glitches and stuff. I, it used to be great. I recommended it to everybody. Now mm. I just don't. So I'm looking for something new to edit videos on my phone, uh, kind of quick and easy. And sometimes I even do some complicated videos on the phone and iMovie was great for that. And I feel like it just too many glitches. Now it's not getting updated. So I'm going to check out cap cut for sure.
1: Check it out. I, I really enjoy it. If, if, um, I could, Kind of just tie in a couple of loose ends on, on some other photo stuff real quick as we as we wrap up. You know, um, Be sure that when you do transfer those files that we talked about earlier, that you have some kind of a backup for your photos and that you're cataloging those photos. So as you take pictures out at a school site or of an event, I use Google Drive. I just uploaded them to a photos folder. I separated them out by years. I separated them out by schools. And I even separated them out by categories so that if I was out taking um, photos of a career tech ed, pathway or um, photos of a chess tournament or robotics competition, I would then go in and, and make sure they landed in that appropriate folder because inevitably sometime next year, I would get a request to put together a flyer for a robotics competition and everybody would ask me if I had photos. And yes, I did. Not only do I, I know exactly how to go back and find them because drive makes it so easy. So make sure that you're backing your images up, that you're finding a a system that works for you. For me, it was drive and that you're uh, identifying those images so that you can find them again later to use. Um, Cloudy weather can be your friend. So if you don't know this tip, this is another thing we're going to talk about in a future video. You know, you might, if you're not familiar with photography, you might look outside and see it's a cloudy day and think, oh, the sun's not out. Not a great day for photos. Actually full sun is the worst conditions you can photograph in. The harsh lighting can make things really difficult to get good shots. So Cloudy weather is your friend. Um, Really try to find that natural lighting. And when you're covering events, think of your shots in terms of getting those wide shots, getting your medium shots and getting those detailed shots. So at events, photos, you know, You've got a state of the district or something like that. Make sure there's shots in there that really show what the event looks like as a whole. Make sure you're getting shots of people in those kind of medium settings where you're getting tight groups of people. And then make sure you get those detailed shots. You put a lot of effort. Your foundations are putting a lot of effort into making the tables gorgeous or the decorations or whatever. Get those shots too. They're all super powerful on social media as you put that out there. So uh, what makes you know a good photo is is tricky. But get out there. You're looking for events. You're looking for celebrations, students and staff accomplishments, special programs or instructions, arts, your athletics, anything your district or school is doing that's new and innovative. These all make great photos. And the last thing I'll leave you with is Canva is a really great way to kind of take your photos to the next level. So instead of just posting a graphic out on social media, maybe you you post a photo out on social media and you put some text with it on Facebook, right? Like our kids had a great uh, chalk day run today. You can go into Canva, create a really fast template in three minutes or less, pop that photo in there, and then that text pops off of the graphic instead of just being text inside social media, if that makes sense. It's gonna get a lot more engagement. So there's some cool tips there on how you can use your photos when you've got some good ones.
0: Yeah, if you haven't experimented with Canva, uh, everyone loves Canva, it's, it's user-friendly. It's getting almost so, it's <laughs> there's so many templates now, it's getting a little overwhelming, but it, it's a great tool to make uh, simple photos and brochures. Uh, you're, you become a graphic designer, essentially, by using Canva, which is really nice. One last thing before I let you go, I'm glad you mentioned cataloging your photos, because that is, everyone's like, how do I do it? And then the longer you've been doing it, it's like, oh my goodness, where's that photo? I know I took it. Um, Google Photos, I don't know if you have ever used Google Photos, but for years, we're a Google district. I love Google Photos. I still use it, which I think is great, but I have like my hard drive folders. I have my Google Photos. I We use Drive with our interns. Mm-hmm. Google Photos, they had this amazing face recognition feature. And I think they have it now for personal accounts, but they had it on the education accounts so it would, you know, recognize his faces. And then if I'm like looking for a picture of Matthew, I just find the picture of Matthew, your face. And then I click and I get the 50, whatever photos I have of that person. Amazing. But they took away that feature. I think maybe with just the education accounts. I don't know. I got to look into that, but that was the greatest thing ever. Cause it would even like, you can do it by location. So if you know your schools in this city, just type in that city, you know, you're going to get those shots, but it did it by faces and that disappeared, and that, this is my plea to Google to bring that back because it was amazing. It's so cool. You know, Ryan, I'll, I'll just say one thing about that. I know we keep saying one
1: more thing, right? But, hey, hopefully you're enjoying this. This is a, something I don't find all people know, which is interesting. Apple and probably Android does it as well. I just know it works on my iPhone. If you open your photos on your phone and you scroll, you, you, you go to the search down at the bottom, you can type in anything. Like on my phone right now, I've got it open. I'm going to type in flower. And it pulls up all the photos I've ever taken of flowers or mm-hmm. all photos that have flowers in them. Um, it's kind of interesting how that works. So you can go in and, uh, you know, type in any kind of search terms and just see what kind of photos you get. So, um, I you know, I, I can go in and type in robot and it pulls up all the photos or even the screenshots <laughs> I've taken with robots on them. It's it's a trip. The, the software is getting pretty sophisticated, but that doesn't absolve you from needing when you upload your images to go in and catalog them the right way because that's where you're guaranteed if a service like google takes something away like that
0: down the road to still have all your images cataloged very good point matthew jennings you are the man your photography tips i know have been helping a lot of people and we we really appreciate it and uh so glad you can take some time and go into a little deep dive and expand on some of those tips and techniques for us really appreciate it and uh everything you've done, especially for Calsper, my man, you, uh, you were in Calsper for years and you helped so many people mentoring them and just your service and volunteers. So thank you big time for all the, all your work in school PR. Dude, I appreciate it back at you, Ryan. I appreciate
1: being on the podcast again and, uh, definitely check us out, peach jar, any of our social media accounts, uh, please. It, it helps with the engagement. If you like, if you share it out, if you comment on there, if you see a tip that you like, give me a comment, give me a shout out, ask me questions too, cause I love getting in there and and typing
0: back. So, um, I appreciate that. All right. I know it's time for you to stand according to your Apple watch. So I'll (laughs) let you go. (laughs) Appreciate it. Matthew Jennings, you're the man. We'll follow you on peach jar and all your social accounts. Thank you so much for being on. All right. Thank you very much.